0: This evening, uh, an impromptu lesson from Ephesians. If you'd open your Bible to Ephesians, the first chapter. First chapter of Ephesians. I'd like for us to focus this evening on the passage... It actually begins with verse fifteen, but on particular on the verse eighteen, that we might look at this as a as a kind of a starting point for this evening's lesson. It's very informative, I think, to look at the prayers that the Apostle Paul renders in his different letters to the different churches and the different groups of the church. To see the things that he prays for on their behalf. To see the things that are tailored to their particular situation. As he represents his concerns to them and, and praises them and gives them recognition for their faithfulness. And then quite often utters his desires before God to them. So they might know where to go or where he thinks they should be going in their maturity. And that's particularly true here in the book of Ephesians. And I want to focus on the 18th verse of the first chapter. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the sense. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. Paul utters a prayer here on behalf of the congregation and the people, the believers in Ephesus, that they might have discerning eyes, that they might perceive what they have become in Christ, And the price that was paid that enabled them to do so. And that that perception and that discernment would enlighten them, would raise them up, would change their view of themselves and the world, and would give them a sense of humility and contrition before God through Christ, realizing all that it accomplished the calling that he describes his here is the richness of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, the promises that stem from Christ's sacrifice, as well as the challenges that require our submission and our devotion and faith. And Paul leaves no question in anyone's mind that the issue here is centered in Christ, that he is the author of that avenue to please God. It is through Him and through what He did and who He was and the example that He provided and the death that He died and the resurrection that God provided Him that we might have the opportunity to be a part of His power and His authority in our lives and be the recipients of the goodness and the hope that is only in Him. You know, we've all heard that message It's repeated many, many, many times in the New Testament. That message of hope that makes Christ the center point, the center place, that calls us to obedience, that calls us to faith, that calls us to a sense of humility before God through Christ, that we might understand that how we survive the difficulties of life and how we survive the successes of life, depend upon God's mercy and God's grace and our willingness to accept those wonderful gifts that he gives us. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And that's a simple phrase, and it has a very poetic sound. But it is at the heart of an issue that really is a discriminator in the quality of our maturity in Christ. And in particular, it deals with the issue of how well and how willing we are to discern the real meaning of Christ's sacrifice. And not to do that in a philosophical way or in a little intellectual way or in an interesting way, but in a way that causes us to bow before him and submit to him. Even those things that are nearest and dearest to us that we cherish in our own egos and our own sense of self-worth that we submit to him and allow him to turn in his direction according to his will for his glory and when it's all said and done that's really why we're all here we're here because God allows us to be here and put us here we're here and we take each breath that we take each day because he has something yet for us to do he has something, someone else for us to be than we were yesterday. He has called us through his word that echoes through the centuries. He has demonstrated his love through his son, who he put before us and had walk among men so that we might perceive the qualities that he seeks in us. And in perceiving those qualities with a humble heart, realize that Achieving some level of reconciliation in those qualities requires a great sacrifice on our part. Wayne spoke about this a bit in this morning's lesson, and in fact, it's in almost every gospel lesson you hear. In order for things to change in our life, things have to change, we have to perceive the world differently. Ourselves differently, the people around us differently. We have to exhibit the qualities of Christ not because we have a duty to do it, for response out of duty and not out of faith is something that we can claim credit for, and we have no right to claim credit. For it's God's glory that we live to serve. It is by grace that we have been saved through faith. And the glory goes all to God, not some of it. We have not contributed to that. In fact, it is our nature, it is our character, it is our personality as human beings to rebel against it and to fight against it because it interferes with the things that humanity has defined as being the things that we really, really want to have. This issue of spiritual discernment, I think, is at the heart of most Christians' problems in, in realizing the blessings and having the kind of joy that was spoken about in Twain's lesson this morning. The scriptures are full of the issue. We don't have to look very far to be reminded how many times we're asked to pay attention to what we're being told in scripture. Not simply so we might learn something, but so we might be somebody else. Somebody better than we were when we heard it. Somebody better than we thought we could be. Because the person that God promises to make us in his service will be someone quite different than the success that we might have pursued in our life. It may be painful to us, because it will force us to put things aside that we cherished at one time, to change our priorities, to shift our attitudes about ourselves and about other people. But all that's a part of that discernment that distinguishes us from those of the world. In First Corinthians, the second chapter in the 14th verse, Paul echoes this idea. He says, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they're spiritually appraised, and therein lies the issue. We need to be spiritually minded in approaching God's Word, and we need to be hungry to know the spiritual message that it contains. Christ spoke in many ways and parables to put a physical shell on a spiritual truth and we need to go beyond just the story that's told and seek to find what we need to know that will enhance not only our obedience to him but our willingness to obey our willingness to submit because we have the quality of gratitude in our lives that acknowledge that we simply can't do this alone we simply can't make it alone and not and please God and to expect His blessings to be extended to us. I'm scanning down a group of scriptures here from the Old and the New Testament that refer to this. How Israel was called accountable because it lacked the faith and rebelled against God. And rebellion is a sure... Promise of consequences. But just as rebellion produces consequences, so does faithfulness. So does a submission and humility to God through Christ. So is our deliberate effort to seek His will and having found it, pursue it. It's not a matter of scholarship. God's Word is not designed for those who are intellectually capable of parsing out everything. God's Word was written for all of us. And in it we can find hope. And we can find encouragement. And we can find instruction that may be unpleasant to us because it causes us to consider our path, consider our preferences, considering the quality of life we had in whether or not it is within us to change the quality of life that we have to a better quality of life in Christ. And the challenge does not extend only to those who are outside Christ. It extends particularly to those in Christ. And again, I refer to Dwayne's lesson this morning. That was a message entirely to Christians that was instruction on how to be the kind of person that they needed to be to be in the spirit to be guided by the Holy Spirit and so it is our challenge to remember those qualities and in every case those qualities require our submission our submission to the example of Christ our submission to the needs of others our submission to God's will our submission with a hunger to know God's will that we are not satisfied with the level of maturity we have in Christ, but that we seek each day to improve not only on our understanding but our application of what we know and what we believe. And that we test our beliefs and we test our behavior and our actions against God's Word. That we do not congratulate ourselves for be faithful in our attendance and not being faithful in the life that we lead each day. The challenge is discernment. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth, Second Timothy 3 and 7. It is the challenge that every Christian faces. It's not an indictment. It's simply a statement of fact. And God's Word calls us again and again and again to remember we should open our eyes and be enlightened by what God's Word tells us. It is not a casual set of instruction. It's an urgent plea. For none of us knows how long we have. It's an urgent plea because God does not want us to waste our life in pursuits that are not according to His will. He has put us here for a reason. And we need to pursue an understanding of that reason. And then be active and confident in the fulfillment of that calling. It's a hard issue to explain. All the parents in this room who have ever tried to explain matters of trust and faith to their children understand how difficult it is for them to perceive with the depth of understanding that's required to accomplish the delivery of the message. But God's Word is designed to help us understand, but we need to be willing and receptive to that understanding. we need to seek the enlightenment, to seek the discernment, to pursue the quality of life that does not just profess faith, but demonstrates it. It's a challenge we all face. And tonight I ask you to consider this challenge in the coming week. To stop and consider how frequently or how infrequently you've opened God's Word to, not just to deal with specific problems, but simply to be nourished by it during the week and to be reminded about who we are, who we're becoming in Christ, and what. Powerful things have been done in our behalf and continue to be done each day as blessings flow to us. And having opened the Bible to develop or even improve upon, if we don't already have one, a sound and solid prayer life that convinces us of the need that Christ Himself felt to be in close communication with the Father. To let Him know our needs, to question and ask, so that we might have the relationship with God in Christ as our Father in heaven and as our Savior. We cannot spend our days at the foot of the cross without having that relationship. And we are called to do that. This does not dry us out and turn us into solemn and sober people, but of all things, it is to produce joy. With the confidence that we know the source of the strength that we have, not in ourselves, but in the Savior and in the Father. That in knowing and having that confidence, then we can pursue the calling that we have in Christ with eagerness and with peace I don't know where you are in your spiritual life and I'm challenged in my own spiritual life to remember this that I sometimes in fact oftentimes depend upon my own judgment and my own simple minded approach to complicated things and whenever I do that I inevitably fail or I can look back on those instances and see that I should have gone to God without that. I should have gone to his word. The answer is there. And so I pray that uh, we exercise a little preventive medicine in our relationships with others. By seeing the examples of Christ and going those in particular and looking at those, that we might see how he was and who he was and his patience and his love and his kindness is humility all those qualities that distinguish and discriminate us as Dwayne said this morning from the rest of the world because by our fruits we are known and it should be our earnest and sincere desire and deepest humility before God to grow and mature in our faith each day not as a sense of duty, but a sense of gratitude and humility for the great gifts that it have given us. I, I think most, if not all of us here, are, are Christians tonight. And I encourage you, as Christians, to be conscious stewards of your faith. in ways that you have not been before. For we are called to mature, and that means we're called to change and and come closer and closer to the goal that is set before us. If we're not moving in the, toward that direction, we're moving away from it. It's not a casual thing. Our lives depend upon it, and even more than our lives. The lives of those that will not be influenced if we have not become involved in their life and in our life and know who we are and the kinds of things we value and the priorities that we set if we don't plant the seeds then there's a whole pyramid of things that might have been done in God's name through others that will not be done through our stewardship that should be a positive challenge to each us to know that it's not just about us it's about our stewardship of the blessings that we have in God through Christ if you need the prayers of the congregation or if you need to respond to his call I'd ask that as we sing this hymn now that you come forward